Welcome back to another episode of Tex-ish, the show about some things Texas. And some things not. We have got a super fun, awesome interview lined up for you with Johnny McGowan, local guitar plucker, local speaker of beautiful poetry on accident. Cannot wait for all of you to hear this interview. He was so fun to sit with, played a few songs for us. It was beautiful. It was literally like beautiful words dripped from his lips like honey. Just everything he said was... The man was, can't help but speak like a poet. It he, was every word he said, I thought, that's a song, that's, that's a, a song. song, that's a song. So if you like people who speak in sing song, you're going to love this interview. But before we get there, as always, we have a couple of companies that do not give us any money to sit down with these microphones and do this show. We got a couple of not-sponsors that we would love to shout out for today's episode. Who's our first not-sponsor? Our first not-sponsor is Howler Brothers. Mm. Do you live in a very urban, suburban environment, but want to look like you're about to go dancing or possibly fly fishing? Howler Brothers. We make pearl snaps and hats that look like you might have a Yeti strapped to your back with some fresh trout in it, but really, you've got this in downtown Austin. Howler Brothers is literally like if Yeti made more shirts. Howler Brothers, you drink IPAs, don't you? Howler Brothers, there's a monkey for the logo. Howler Brothers! <laughs> Today we're also not brought to you by cowboy hats. Oh. Are you a man who rides a horse and has a cold head? Try a cowboy hat. Cowboy hats, do you really like George Strait? Cowboy hats. Cowboy hats, do you have no personality and are trying to make up for something? Cowboy hats. (laughs) Cowboy hats. Are you visiting Texas and think we wear these all the time? Cowboy hats. (laughs) All right. Cowboy hats. Yeehaw. Cowboy hats. I'm wearing one right now. Cowboy hats. Howdy, darling. (laughs) Awesome. Well, uh, what happened at some point in Texas history, Seth? So... Once upon a time in Texas history, there was an event called the Four Dead in Five Seconds gunfight. Huh? This is a famous gunfight that occurred on April 14th in 1881 on El Paso Street in El Paso, Texas. Now, while witnesses generally agree that the gunfight lasted no more than five seconds, there is a little bit of dispute on exactly how long it is. Is the dispute like ten seconds or fifteen or they're like they're like it was I, I don't know man I, I think maybe maybe ten seconds I don't know five okay. is quite <laughs> enough ten seconds seems to be more likely okay but truly the the name four dead and five seconds gunfight is much better than four dead and ten seconds gunfight so here's some of the details okay Marshal Dallas Studemeyer accounted for three of the four fatalities with his twin forty four caliber Smith and Wesson revolver. And here's kind of what was going on. A little bit earlier, a group of about 75 heavily armed people from Mexico came up. 
and they were looking for two scouts who they'd sent up ahead to look for some stolen cattle. What kind of happened is along the city limits, a guy named Gus Krimpow and uh, the El Paso the El Paso County Constable uh, were accompanying them, the, the the bigger band, to try and find these guys. Okay, and they because cattle thievery at this dude, time was huge, big deal, huge. Especially it was a, and it, it was an especially big problem with Americans stealing Mexican cattle. Yep. That was a huge issue. That's really messed up. Don't it's do really that. messed up, guys. Don't steal cows. For the record, we are an anti stealing cattle podcast. We are not sponsored by stealing cattle, and we don't want to be. We sponsored. don't want to be. Stay away. Uh, they took the posse to the ranch of a guy named Johnny Hale, who they suspected was a cattle rustler. And they found two cor- the corpses of the two missing guys on his property. Mm. So they take they take the guy to court, like mm. obviously. Uh, and they held an inquest with Constable uh, Crimp, Crimp Cow, who was fluent Spanish as the interpreter. So you got the constable being mm-hmm. the interpreter during the trial okay. because he's fluent Spanish. So the verdict was that the two men, whose names were Sanchez and Warike, had been in the vicinity looking for the cows, and they thought that the American rustlers, Hale among them, uh, were afraid that they'd find mm-hmm. the stolen cows that they stole. Yeah. So they killed them. Oh, okay. Yeah, so two American cattle rustlers, Pervy and Fredrickson, were accused of the murders uh, after they were overheard bragging about it. Awesome. In a bar. <laughs> uh, yeah, so a large crowd had gathered uh, in El Paso, including Hale and his friend, former Marshal George Campbell. There was tension among the Americans who were, you know, super concerned that there was a giant armed mm-hmm. posse yeah. of, of people who were allowed into town with their weapons. Mm-hmm. Now, at the time, people don't know this generally, but in the Wild West, if you had a weapon, you had to check it. At the border. Mm-hmm. You were not allowed in town with weapons. That yeah. was illegal. There were harsher gun control laws then than there are now, which is hilarious. And a whole other podcast. And a whole other podcast. Uh, so basically, the, the, everything was just boiling, right? It was rife for something to happen. Uh, so when the court, they charged the murders and the people were immediately arrested. So the court adjourns and uh, the arrestees were scheduled for a, a further trial, right? So... The Mexicans returned to Mexico with their uh, with their dead brethren to mm. ho- have a proper burial mm-hmm. and all that. So that dispersed. So here's where we get to the gunfight. Marshal Dallas Studenmeyer was a noted gunfighter, and he'd only been marshal for three days. <laughs> <laughs> so far, this literally sounds like Blazing Saddles right? and four Quentin Tarantino mm-hmm. movies in real life. Just smashed together. Yeah. So after court adjourned, he walked across the street um, to a bar, or well, to a, for dinner. Uh, and the constable went to a saloon next door to retrieve his rifle and pistol. Uh, there, a confrontation took place where George Campbell, uh, over over remarks George Campbell had allegedly made about Crimp Cow's translation. So he basically thought that Crimp Cow was twisting the translation to make the guys look guilty. Okay. Right. That was his. That was his assertion. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> um, John Hale, who reportedly was unarmed but heavily drunk, mm-hmm. uh, was very upset, obviously, because the two people who were under his employment had been arrested and charged, uh, and was also upset with Crimp Cow. So Hale grabs one of Campbell's pistols and yells, "George, I've got you covered." and shoots Krimpkow, who reels backwards, slumping against the saloon door. Krimpkow drew his own pistol. Marshal Studenmeyer heard the shot, jumped up from his giant his dining chair at the Globe, Globe restaurant, 
pulled out his pistols, and ran out into the street. Now, while he was running, he fired wildly, <laughs> killing Ochoa, an innocent, an innocent bystander who was oh. running for cover. As the first shot was heard, John Hale jumped from behind a thick pillar. When he peered out from behind the pillar, Studemeyer fired and struck him between the eyes, killing him instantly. Campbell stepped out from cover with his pistol drawn, saw Hale lying dead, and yelled to Studemeyer that this was not his fight. But Constable Krimkow, mistakenly believing Campbell had shot him, fired his pistol twice at Campbell before losing consciousness from loss of blood. <laughs> Krimkow's first bullet struck Campbell's gun and broke his right wrist, while the second hit him in the foot. Campbell screams in pain, scoops up his gun from the ground with his left hand, while Studemeyer whirls away from Hale and fires at Campbell, who drops his gun again, grabbing his stomach and collapsing onto the ground. Studemeyer walked toward Campbell, glaring at him in an agony. Campbell yells, You big son of a bitch, you murdered me! (laughs) Studemeyer says nothing. Both Campbell and Krimkow died within minutes. After just a few seconds, four men were laying dying. Three Texas Rangers were standing nearby and did nothing, saying later they felt Studemeyer had the situation well in hand. <laughs> Here's the aftermath, because there is a fallout. Oh. Three days after the gunfight, on April 17, 1881, James Manning, who was a friend of Hale and Campbell, convinced the former deputy, Bill Johnson, to assassinate Studemeyer. Oh, gosh. Because Studemeyer had publicly humiliated mm. Johnson earlier... Late on the night of April 17th, an intoxicated Johnson was hiding behind a pillar of bricks, but his wobbly legs gave in and he fell backward, squeezing the shotgun off too early, missing Studenmeyer, who (laughs) fires his pistols immediately in a volley of eight bullets at Johnson, shooting off his testicles. What? Johnson bled to death quickly. (laughs) And this began a feud between Studenmeyer and Manning and his brothers, Eventually, Studenmeyer's brother-in-law, Stanley Doc Cummings, and later Studenmeyer himself, died at the hands of the Mannings, who were acquitted in two trials where the juries were patched with their friends. And that is the story of the four dead in five seconds gunfight. So we have a movie. I mean, yeah. I, I, it's four, gotta be, right? Four dead in five seconds? That's what it's called? Four dead in five seconds. That is wild. That's insane, right? How, how's that for a little once upon a time that in is, Texas? That is a once upon a time in Texas history. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. Wow. Who's our small town? What's our small town? Our small town of the week is one that we know very well, mm-hmm. one that we love, one that is very important to our guest. Yes. Green, Texas. Green, Texas. For everybody at home who doesn't know, green is spelled G-R-U-E-N-E. It is near New Braunfels. And it is a former Germantown. Its current population, 20. Mm -hmm. It is home to the famous Green Hall, Mm. which is why we love it so much. It's a famous music and dance hall that we have seen some of our favorite acts at. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, all the big guys have played there. You can find find our... uh, Our our old friend Johnny. Our old friend Johnny. And his rugged gents. And his rugged gents playing there occasionally. Pretty much every Saturday afternoon. Pretty much. Now, while the town is known for its, you know, German Texan heritage mm-hmm. and kind of the, the structures there, uh, you know, there's a bachelorette party there every weekend. Every single like. weekend, <laughs> we both went to a wedding. We went to two different weddings at, at the, the same, same venue, venue. Mm-hmm. like back to back weekends. Gorgeous venue out there. Mm-hmm. It really is a very special pocket of the hill country out there. 
Now, it's called Green, Texas, because the guy who founded it, his name was Ernst Green. Okay. He was a German Im- immigrant. Ernst Green. <laughs> I'm from Germany. Ernst. Um, and they, they arrived in New Braunfels, but the acreage was scarce, so okay. they ended up founding Green, Green. Texas, essentially. You know, uh, when there's no acreage, so you start your own town? Yeah. You know, Texas stuff. Yeah. Oh, well, it looks like there's not enough room in this town. I'm just going to go Well, Pa, go. what if we just made our own town? You know, son, I hadn't thought of that. You know, son, I thought you were dumb. I still think that. But turns out this is a good idea. Even a broken clock's right twice a day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, basically, because the town was located along the stagecoach route between okay. Austin and San Antonio, the Greene County store thrived okay it was one of those stopover places mm-hmm. almost halfway it, you grab refill, some candy grab some candy some flour use the bathroom do yeah. what you gotta do i Possibly mean it's, shoot somebody look it's no bucky's but <laughs> it got the job done it's true so by 1900 green was a prominent banking ginning and and i mean cotton ginning and shipping center for uh cotton farming and though it never had a post office the community did possess two freight rail stations by the 1910s. In 1922, the original cotton gin burned and was replaced by a modern electric model down the road, now Adobe Verde. Uh, green was decimated, however, by the ball weevil blight of the 1920s. Ball weevil. Ball weevils. B-O-L-L. Ah. Uh, and further doomed by the effects of the Great Depression. By 1930, the population had fallen to 75, and post-World War II highway construction bypassed the town. Highway construction really did kill off a lot of these kind of mm-hmm. small towns that we talk about. Well, what's so that crazy, if you are on I-35, mm-hmm. you pass a Bucky's, but to the, if you're between us and San Antonio, mm-hmm. to, I believe it's the east of that Bucky's and of I-35, it's literally a five-minute drive. It's five-minute drive. So yeah. it's not even like it bypassed it by that much. Yeah, it just enough Yeah, that people stopped going. So by 1950, it was a ghost town. Mm-hmm. Nobody was there. Okay. Population zero. Wow. Uh, revival and renaissance. Ooh. In 1974, a guy named Chip Kaufman at UT Austin, Hookham, uh, he was an architecture student, and he began working to get green on the National Register of Historic Places and sought new owners for properties in the historic district. So among those was Pat Moloch, who purchased Green Hall in 1975. Okay. Mullick and his friend Mary Jane Nally purchased and repaired several of the notable structures and transformed them into thriving businesses. So this is when it starts becoming the green that we know. Yeah. Right? This is post-World War II. This is post-Ghost Town. Okay. And this And is, I'll be honest, I thought, I assumed that the dance hall had been operational the whole time. The whole time. They had to revive it. Okay. Um, so as a result, Green Hall and some of the old mercantile stores, uh, it kind of had a rebirth in the 70s. And the redevelopment continued through the 70s and 80s and today. And though no longer an autonomous community, it was annexed by New Braunfels in uh, 1979. Gosh darn it, New Braunfels. I know, right? <laughs> <sighs> Ruining everything. Take away the luster. All you have is a, is, is a water park. That's yeah. all you have. And it's a river that it's goes just, through it. It's yeah, gross. It's so gross. Not even that fun. Not even cool. Had a wedgie the whole How time. How dare you? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Schlitter my bond. So the green we know today exists as a tourist attraction and a place you go for amazing music mm-hmm. and to get a little piece of old Texas. So that's the story of green. That's the story of green. So yeah. if you're on I-35, grab a barbecue sandwich at the Bucky's, hook a left, go to downtown green. If there's a concert, you're in luck. Again, our guest, Johnny McGowan, and his rugged gents mm-hmm. are there every Saturday afternoon. So I do want to mention, just real quick, a little bit about Green Hall. Okay. Because we are talking about it. Yes. It's a 6,000-foot dance hall. 
6,000 square foot dance hall. Uh, that was built in 1878 by Heinrich D. Green. So it was. It is one of the oldest. Uh, it is. It bills itself as the oldest continually run dance hall in Texas, and like really has not changed. Awesome. Yeah. And it really like the structure. Truly, looks the old. structure. Yeah. There's I. I love these old Texas dance halls, <laughs> especially this old because it's yeah. not like urban cowboy neon sign old. It's sawdust on the floor, barely any lights. Yeah. Old. Oh, and yeah. I love it so much. So much, right? Anyway, so that is that's Green Hall's kind of founding. Awesome. Um, yeah, so there you go. If you haven't been to Green Hall or just to Green Texas yet, do yourself a favor. Go check it out. Make the trek down. So, Gunner Bear. Yeah? Who's our badass? Our badass of the week is none other than Frederick Carlton Lewis, otherwise known as Carl Lewis. Carl Lewis was born on July 1st, 1961 in Houston, Texas. He is a former American track and field athlete who won nine Olympic gold medals, one silver medal, and 10 world championship medals, including eight gold. His track career spanned from 1979 all the way to 1996, making him one of the longest running, literally, <laughs> track athletes of all time. That was punny. And he last, yeah, he won his last Olympic event in 1996. He is one of only six Olympic athletes who won a gold medal in the same individual event in four consecutive Olympic Games. Wow. So that's 16, that's 16 years. years. Just of, keep that in mind. That's 16 years of excellence. Of dominance. Yeah, I mean, I, winning the same event... I can't even be excellent for like five seconds. Yeah, not even so, Usain Bolt right? won four in a row. Right. Let's just hey, let's just faster than Carl Lewis for sure. But right. that level of dominance, slightly propelled by a lot of cocaine and amphetamines, sure, on Carl Lewis's part, is pretty freaking incredible. Hey man, whatever you got to do. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, Lewis was do- a dominant sprinter and long jumper who topped the world rankings in the 100 meter, the 200 meter, and long jump events. Frequently from 1981 to the early 1990s, he set world records in the 100 meter, the 4x100 meter, and the 4x200 meter relays, and his world record in the indoor long jump has stood since 1984. His 65 consecutive victories in the long jump, achieved over a span of 10 years, is one of the sport's longest undefeated streaks. Over the course of his athletics career, Lewis broke 10 seconds for the 100 meters 15 times and 20 seconds for the 200 meters 10 times. Lewis also long jumped over 28 feet 71 times. Whew. So this dude's literally just a bag of fast twitch muscle. Dude, just like, he's like a spring. He real just a spring-loaded yeah. human being yeah. on a vegan diet, no less. Really? We'll let that pass for now. Yeah. But I mean, it works for him. Just obviously. imagine how fast he would have been if he ate meat. <laughs> I know, right? Jeez. <laughs> Probably would have had 75 Probably consecutive. Had... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's Carl Lewis. That's I, Carl Lewis. Which is, I, the Winter Olympics are coming up, yeah. and I thought Texas Olympic athletes. Then that's I thought, one I don't think about a lot. I know who Carl Lewis is, yeah, but I, I you, don't think of him as a Texan. He is a Texan. Huge supporter of UT as yeah. well, and also of U of H. Go Cougs. And, yeah, literally one of the most decorated Olympic athletes of all time and arguably top three most dominant track athletes of all time. 
Uh, yeah, he's in he's in the running. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. That let's funny. not let's not jump too far ahead there. <laughs> so let's Carl, not sprint any conclusions. Carl Lewis, you are really fast and you can jump really far. Really far. And we salute you. Uh-huh. All right, y'all. Thank you for tuning in to this part of the podcast so far. We have a super fun interview with Johnny McGowan. None of his rugged gents are with us. But they're here. With, they're here in spirit. They're here in spirit. Yeah. You can catch him and his rugged gents at the Broken Spoke first Friday of every month. Yes, sir. The White Horse every other Saturday of every month. Yep. And the Little Longhorn Saloon every Sunday of every month, as well as a couple of other free gigs here and there. Johnny has a book worth of stories that he, he really does. Tell. I think we'll have him on again to tell tell some more stories. We, more in depth. we are gonna have to have him on again and just say, "Don't talk about music." And it was he was such a sweetheart. Uh, you know, he told us his life story, and afterwards we went and grabbed some barbecue mm-hmm. with some friends and just had a great time. Uh, good hang, good person, uh, just lovely words. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I was so yeah. happy to uh, to get to enjoy his company. As was I. So enjoy this interview with him. Before you go watch him live or listen to the interview, do us a favor, pause this podcast, share it on Instagram, mm-hmm. go leave us a review on Apple. Yep, we still have four free t- four, four free t-shirts, t-shirts that we want to give away. We want to give so away. Screenshot that review, tag us on Instagram at textish underscore pod. Yes, please. We would really appreciate that. We want to keep this going as long as you keep listening. And without further ado, Johnny McGowan. Without the rugged gents. Uh, You want to start it up? Sure. We'll we'll start her up. All right, everybody. Howdy. Welcome back to another episode, another interview here on Tex-ish, the show about some things Texas. And some things not. We are super excited and privileged today to have an awesome guest. His name is Johnny McGowan. He is the front man of the band Johnny McGowan and Johnny McGowan's Rugged Gents. We actually met him at Richard Lord's Boxing Gym, which is basically the honky-tonk version of a boxing gym <laughs> yeah. here in Austin. Yeah. I had no idea what I was doing. He was very kind to give me some pointers on the heavy bag. He had this voice that just sounded like the voice of a honky-tonk angel, and I just knew I had heard it before, realized I would seen you yeah. at the Broken Spoke. A honky-tonk angel that crashed to the ground on a gravel road and skidded for a couple of miles. Hey, even hey, better. Say the studio got a lot more rugged when you walked. <laughs> yes. And ever, ever since that moment, we had just started this podcast, I knew we got to have this guy on and looking more into you, seeing that you almost every night seem to be playing one of the classic Texas honky-tonks. And so we are so thankful to have you today. Thank you for giving Thanks, us some of your time. Thanks, Looking forward yeah. to it. Yeah. yeah. So what? Let's start sort of. My life's an open book. There's only three or four pages, though. Well, we're gonna read every single one of them. (laughs) I want to start more just you know your journey into music. When did you pick up a guitar? Have you always had a knack, or was this something that you had to really work hard at? Is where where did music enter into your life? Um. So I grew up in Knoxville, Tennessee, and uh, go balls. Uh, go balls, big time. You know. (laughs) And remind me of uh, when uh, remind me of all the go vols and I'll t- when we get to uh, yeah. get into Texas. But growing up in East Tennessee, um, I was always around bluegrass. Yeah. So uh, my grandmother was born in the Smoky Mountains before it was the Smoky Mountains. She was born in a logging camp, and it was Elkmont. It was the name of the logging camp, and her father um, was the crew 
uh, captain in the logging camp, and we still have some photos. And at the end of my grandmother's life, she got a blood transfusion, and my mom brought these photos in. And my grandmother, so she was born in 1911. Wow. And they lived in a, they actually had a cabin, so most people didn't. They had a small cabin. And her father carried in a stove, a cast iron stove on his back oh over a mountain wow. so they could have a stove, you know. And uh, it gives you an idea of kind of like the, the landscape we're living in mm-hmm. compared to like the hard scrabble life that people had 100 years ago. Yeah. I mean, entitled wouldn't even be the word to describe no, people yeah. today. <laughs> These people had it tough, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, when, you know, the Spanish flu happened, mm-hmm. uh, everybody in my grandmother's family, I mean, it was, I think she had seven, I can't remember, that she had a large family there. Yeah. And uncles all lived in the cabin. And the only person that didn't get sick was her older brother, David Britton Watson. Mm-hmm. And I think he was 11. And she had her youngest uh, sibling, just got, was nine months old, died. Oh. And he, David Britton, 11 years old, mind you, was taking care of an entire family. And he didn't know what to do. So he took his young youngest brother and put him on the wood pile because it was like 12 degrees outside yeah. and he didn't know what else to do mm-hmm. now how's that for hard scrabble mm-hmm. like unbelievable yeah. it's unbelievable Dude. you know mm-hmm. so growing up in east tennessee you know you're hearing these stories and bluegrass everywhere mm-hmm. and i remember growing up uh and going to this place called buddy's barbecue <laughs> and it was a barbecue place that had bluegrass bands mm-hmm. i remember the name of the bands it was the knoxville grass I think there was a little, uh, little left-handed little cigarette going on there on that one. I mean, so this was the 70s. Yeah. And, and Wade Hill and his rockin' banjo. And I still have the album. And he has like one of these Jerry Reed hats. It's all bent down all in, the bent down in the front. Oh, yeah. Right. Nice. Yeah. And I got him to sign it for me, and I still have it. <laughs> and so I, that was a huge influence, just being there and the music, and it was exciting. And people would uh, like two-step. Mountain dance, uh, clogging. I mean, it would be nothing to have 20 people clogging in front of a bluegrass band. That's okay. what I grew up with. Yeah. And uh, it's kind of similar here in Austin. You the band start playing, people start dancing. It's not like that everywhere. No. And so growing up with that, uh, I just I wanted to play banjo. Yeah. Because I saw Wade Hill and his rocking banjo. I was like, I got to do it. <laughs> so I got a banjo at five. Oh wow. wow! Yeah, so but that's I, a heavy instrument. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't. I mean, it was so low. <laughs> right. I was gonna say, oh, like, <laughs> couldn't touch the end of the headstock. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I played that for about a year, and yeah, I was a kid, you know, mm-hmm. and it was really hard. Yeah, and uh, so I kind of just stopped doing that, but sure. I always had it around. My natural father, um, he had. Uh, you're gonna hear these stories, by the way. Oh, mm-hmm. when I was a kid. Grew up with country music and mm-hmm. I had it around. And then they'll go, well, I went to punk rock phase. But it was always in my soul. Yeah. No, I really did. My step, my natural father had an acoustic. Uh, I didn't know how to play it, but I'd put on this Johnny Cash Sun Studio record. Yeah. And I'd invite the neighborhood kids over. And I would just act like I was playing and singing <laughs> along. You know, it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. you know. Uh, it was in my, we lived in my grandmother's basement because mm-hmm. my, uh, my, uh, her husband built the house in the 40s. During, wow. during the war... He, uh, lived, they were in Oak Ridge, which is about, I don't know, you know, 45 minutes away. Sure. And he'd drive into Knoxville and he built the house with a skill saw on his mind. Oh my I mean, God. this is amazing. And, uh, uh, so we actually ended up after, uh, we were young, we lived in the basement. And so I put on little concerts, <laughs> you know, and just sing along. I mean, I didn't know what I was doing. You yeah. know, it was terrible, mm-hmm. you know? 
And uh, I lived in the coal chute. I didn't really think about it. You huh. know what a coal chute is? Is that where you put coal? Yeah, so it had a little window, and it, we were down below, and it had the window, and that was where the coal came in. Yeah, right. And uh, I didn't think about it, but that was my bedroom. I didn't know oh, why. Wow. I mean, you know, they got all the coal out. Right. <laughs> but yeah, I didn't. And then out of the ashes, thought about that until now. Johnny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like a broken wing phoenix, there, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, growing up, putting on the like, neighborhood kids, and then. Uh, my mom and, and natural father, they, they, they split apart when I was pretty young, and, uh, and then I had a stepdad. Mm-hmm. And, that's, and I'm right now holding his 1962 Gibson J45. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a real, this is the burning building. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody I has mean, the burning prices. building item. Yeah, that's it. This is it. Yeah. yeah. And I have two other guitars that are very special to me, mm-hmm. but if I could only get one, this mm-hmm. would be it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, uh, when he showed up, uh, he got me a guitar for my 13th birthday. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And so started playing from, did you start playing seriously at that point? Well, no, it was, uh, he was courting my mom and I was just talking to a good friend, uh, Allison Lipkin. She's a good musician. Okay. She's a great musician around town. And I was chatting with her and, uh, it reminded me of, uh, like, how did he do it? I don't know. He, he showed up with two, I was 12, my brother was 14, mm-hmm. two teenage boys, buck wild sure. I mean uh, you know and I'm sure we're manipulating the system at the house you know oh, dad yeah. left this you know we deserve more ice cream or whatever <laughs> yeah. you know and I don't know how he did it I really yeah. don't you know um, yeah he was a really good man yeah that's awesome so uh, he would pick me or my brother up and he had a place about 45 minutes away a 22 acre farm wow and so he'd pick us up at, he was a truck driver Okay. And uh, for UPS, and so he'd pick us up at like three in the morning, you know, uh, mm-hmm. and we'd go up to this his house, and he had a house he was kind of fixing. It didn't have a bathroom, so he just had like a bucket, you know, mm-hmm. in the next like room. Yeah. yeah, and uh, so we'd get up, and he'd want to do, you know, he'd hire me or my brother to do chores. So that mm-hmm. was his kind of way to ingratiate himself, I guess, with my mom. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, I realized, you know, some people get into music; mm-hmm. they want the money. Mm-hmm. They want the fame, the chicks. Mm-hmm. I got into music because I figured if I could get him to keep showing me guitars, it would keep me out of doing lawn work. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? It's like, show me another G chord. This is so fun. Yeah, I yeah. yeah. I, don't, I don't know quite yeah. how to strum. If you don't teach me, yeah, you which can't very much. And he was like, we got to get outside. Yeah, but if one yeah, more. Yeah, like, real quick. We're working with our hands. Let's yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think he was hip, right. okay. you know. Uh, but it was a great way to not get out there and start, like, hacking yeah. at weeds and stuff, yeah. you know. And uh, so I think he was hip, to, you know, but uh, he was like, okay. Okay. So he just started showing me stuff. <laughs> so I got into music yeah. to get out of lawn maintenance. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, you must, have showed, you must have showed, like, a little bit of promise early on. Or, you mm. know, he would have been like, ooh, buddy, I you. Yeah, after about, like, nine months, right. he just went, um, I can't show anything right. more. And he had a really cool sky. He would, he would pick. And he'd flip downward yeah. with his middle finger. Okay. See how that little flip down where you can down, hear it. Which you don't Versus, see a lot. So there's finger picking. Yeah. And here's what he'll do. You hear that little cling? Yeah. With that and so he had a little cool style. Yeah. It's yeah. very cool. I've never seen people do that. Uh-huh. No, and yeah. uh, so after about nine months, he said, well, we need to 
get you a guitar and yeah, play your own guitar yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so uh, i think at 13 it was my birthday i got a i got a crappy acoustic nice yeah yeah and my niece out and she my brother lives out in los angeles now mm-hmm. and she uh, she has that i gave it to her i had it uh, all through high school and everything yeah. i ended up giving it to when my brother had a kid i gave it because mm-hmm. i wasn't really using it and she still has it well, that's awesome. i think yeah that's awesome. It's kind of a POS. It never was that nice. Yeah, guitar, but it was your guitar, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I think we all end up around thirteen, somewhere in there, with like a crappy guitar that we we had some dreams Yamaha and aspirations of, yeah, yeah. like the amp and the, the whole mm, thing. Yeah. And most people play it for, for like a year or two, a year. Yeah. But you kept playing. Yeah. And so, when did you yeah. start writing your own songs and really playing well, in front of people? Like, when did you come out of the bedroom, so to speak? And like, uh, I had uh, so. In high school, I, yeah, I, I, it was just, you know, it, how did people start? I started, like, really focusing in on it. I guess it just kind of come natural and it was kind of easy. You know, not sure. everybody can do it. Yeah. So really, people couldn't. But mm-hmm. I had a really good teacher. His name, was, his name is Hector Kirko. Okay. Mm-hmm. So if anybody's listening, look up his name. It's spelled crazy. Don't ask me how to spell it. It's spelled <laughs> just crazy. Just trust Google. Well, yeah. trust Google on this one. And, uh, and so I started taking lessons at this place, Pick and Grin. Mm. And it was right across the street from Buddy's Barbecue. Hey, you know, nice. look at that. All right. A little uh, segue there, <laughs> you know. And uh, he was a great teacher. He he was a blues guy. He mm-hmm. lived in Chicago, mm-hmm. and he played with Lonnie Brooks. And uh, wow. I think wow. he got away with it because uh, he looked just like an Anglo guy, but he was um, say Ecuadorian. Mm, yeah, but okay. he, he looked like yourself, kind of a sure. beard, longer yeah. hair, but very Anglo features. Yeah. Yeah. And they're like, we're not paying this guy. And Lonnie Brooks like, no, 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 he's Puerto Rican. <laughs> like, okay, well, right, we're paying well, half pay, yeah. half pay then, yeah. you know. Yeah. And uh, so he really knew his stuff when it came to blues, more of a blues guy. Yeah. But uh, he helped teach me uh, like chord structure and how mm. things go together yeah. and, you know, a good way to practice and, mm-hmm. uh, you know... Uh, it wasn't strict. Mm-hmm. It was like, what do you want to learn? And and that was a great way to follow, yeah. you know? And yeah. later on in life, I became a teacher. Mm-hmm. And I tried to adhere to that kind of method. What makes you happy? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, let's do that. And if somebody is happy and they're enjoying themselves, they'll do it more. Yeah. It's that simple. It's mm-hmm. like, why do I want to beat some cudgel somebody over the head yeah. learning something they don't more interested in at all, yeah. They're gonna disappear. It yeah. sounds so simple, but it's it's so hard to get that right. Yeah, well, yeah, you know, there's a lot of I knew a lot of teachers that didn't, didn't understand. Play, yeah, maybe they weren't happy in their own mind yeah, and heart exactly. in their life, and they didn't know how to pass on this happiness. Yeah. I don't know. Right. I don't know. <laughs> so yeah. as you're learning, and what what are you gravitating towards as far as like when I was uh, a kid? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, whatever's on the radio. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, I grew up with the bluegrass stuff. And so I, that was what kind of first kind of was right. learning or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, teenager, whatever's on the radio. Sure. You know? And uh, I was born in 71. Mm-hmm. So it was like mid 80s. Mm-hmm. So you had, uh, you know, Dire Straits, yeah. which yeah. actually, looking back on it, great rock and roll band. Great rock and roll band. You know, yeah. of course, Sultan's a swing, you know, and he was like, this is a great, good, you know, mm-hmm. he was like, yes. Yeah. And then he kind of tried to steer me in, in good directions, you know. Mm-hmm. And of course, I was like, oh, I want to learn this. NXS song is like okay, <laughs> you know, right, nah, 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 nah. it yeah. was like something silly, you know. <laughs> yeah, but you know, then there was the proverbial like Tom Petty, mm-hmm. you know, and learning those things, whatever was on the radio. Yeah, sure. and it seemed like I was getting into high school, and I was kind of leaning toward like hard rock because it was mm-hmm. becoming popular and it was a right. challenge. Yeah, yeah. But I was dissatisfied. I had all my heavy metal buddies at high school, long right. hair, right. you know. 
Uh, I remember these guys. We had a band. The guitar player, other guy, was named Chad Lay. Nice. That was a pretty good rock and roll Chad name. Lay. Yeah, and uh, and this other dude, Eddie Shipman. I remember him. That's also That's a, a great, great rock and roll name. Yeah. <laughs> the best, the drummer, Rodney Loveday. Oh come on! I remember on these now. guys. Welcome you know, you're making this up. No, I crap, you negative. You know, uh, and so we had this heavy kind of thing. But sure. we'd get together and jam and. We didn't know what to play. It was like, we knew, we knew six tunes. Yeah. Sure. So we'd be like, we'd be together for nine hours and we'd play six, the same freaking six tunes. Yeah, right. Or we'd hack our way through like about 10 songs and yeah, we'd get yeah. about a minute in and then falter because we didn't know what's this going <laughs> right. to playing, yeah. you know, Marshall half stack at yeah. full volume, but <laughs> tuning. <laughs> You know, let's drop that D. Let's drop the Don't yeah, drop yeah, D. Here yeah. we yeah. go. We didn't know we dropped yeah. D. What is that? Yeah. We had no idea. And I remember, um, uh, so when I was growing up in this house where my stepfather met uh, mm-hmm. my mom, we didn't have, we had a bedroom, living room. Boy, this sounds pitiful. I, I didn't, uh, and me and my brother, we didn't have a bedroom. We actually mm-hmm. rolled our sleeping bags out in the living room Yeah, because we didn't have a bedroom for yeah. years. Mm-hmm. And uh, my stepdad, when he kind of showed up, he, we actually took the roof off and built kind of a, a safe, kind of a yeah. really tall. Yeah. And I remember uh, I was like, I'm moving in. Like I'm moving up there, you know, yeah. and we didn't have a stair. So we, act, this is pitiful sounding. Uh, we had a, we had a, a ladder mm-hmm. and I was like this, I'm moving upstairs sure. and it was like winter. I remember just, I just put my sleeping bag up there <laughs> and I remember waking up one morning and snow had blown in under you know, the eaves and oh was my on God. my sleeping oh bag. Oh my gosh. And, uh, you know, it was pretty modest means, I guess. I mean, almost funny part, the funny part is some Austin hipster right now is like, oh, that sounds like such a lovely loft. Like, it sucks. Right? <laughs> so some Austin hipsters paying like twelve hundred. Twelve hundred. That. that. Yeah. Uh, I didn't have a bedroom window. It was just plastic yeah, over it. Yeah. For, you know. For but I remember time. my brother. Uh, we, I, I turned on the radio and mm-hmm. I was just trying to like play along to songs. I was like, this, you know, metal. Yeah, sure, whatever. Yeah. Sure. And um, and then Steve Miller, Jungle Love, come on. And okay. I, was, I was like, oh, I can play with this. Yeah, I was like, oh, I I get it, like all the theory. Mm-hmm. Sure. And I was like, I can. This it started is, coming together. This yeah. is fun. Yeah. I don't have to think. You know, I didn't need a slide rule and abacus yeah. to figure out the chord changes. It was yeah. just like you know, strumming. This is just right yeah. here. And I remember I had my Les Paul and my Marshall sex using, and then the next song come on was uh was uh, uh yeah. oh yeah yes yeah, yeah. yes ZZ top you know. And I was sitting there like, oh, I can play this. Yeah. And then the drums, you know. And I was like, this is awesome. Yeah. So I'm playing it full volume. Oh, nice. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I'll be loud as hell, you know. And then this happened. And then when it did, you hear how it went up, right? Yeah. So it goes in, you know, musical terms, it goes A, and it just changes the entire key to C. Mm-hmm. And when that happened... My mind was blown. <laughs> I was like, you can do that? You can do that? <laughs> just like that? You can just change I the key? I couldn't believe it. I was like, that is amazing. Yeah. And then at the end, it goes back from that, you know. Just kind of wails off. Right. Yeah. And it does that blues riff. Mm-hmm. And I just was like, what is that? <laughs> and my brother goes, oh, that's ZZ Top. He goes, oh, check this out. And so he starts handing me some stuff. Mm-hmm. I just never, I mean, my brother had some Robert Johnson and I figured it out. You know, yeah, that's yeah. cool, old style. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it didn't really hit. I mean, I could. I was like, oh, that's kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Sure. But it never really got me. 
And, and I was like, this is amazing. He's like, oh yeah, ZZ Top, man, check it out. And he gave me a tape and it was ZZ Top, I think on one side and on the other side was Steve Ray Vaughan. And I went, what is what this? Is, what is that? Yeah. <laughs> and it was awesome. And, uh, and uh, at that point, then my, I had a, a cousin who was into blues. He was like, mm-hmm. listen to this. And it was Jimmy Vaughn. And I remember a guy, a buddy of mine had given me this magazine. It was like 85, 86. Yeah. And it had this dude in it. And he had like pompadour and bolero outfit. Mm-hmm. And he was just like, cool. I was like, that that's my look. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was Jimmy Vaughn. Who still lives in Austin, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I haven't met him yet. I'm, I'm too shy. I mean, I would freak <laughs> out. On. I would freak out. <laughs> and so I had this picture and then all of a sudden it was like, I had like ZZ Top. Mm-hmm. I had Steve Ray Vaughn, who is hands down awesome. Yeah. And anybody who says he's not, is an asshole. Yeah. Yes. Bottom line. Absolutely. Because yeah. I met country guys that are like, oh yeah, he's great. Mm-hmm. Anybody who doesn't think he's great is an asshole. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, um, they're also lying. They're also lying. Yeah. They're lying. They're lying. <laughs> they're know? trying to be cool. There's great, great guitar players, great musicians, and Jimmy Vaughn, and then I started getting into blues at that point. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, yeah, when I saw that Jimmy Vaughn, I was like, that is Yes, and he was and he was a different player. He was a cool player. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I still haven't reached it yet. I've been trying for thirty five years here, or whatever. <laughs> you got plenty you know, of time. Plenty. Of time. I, I will. We'll see. <laughs> uh, and to reach that level of cool, see, mm-hmm. Vaughn, I, I was like a fast player. I get this because yeah. I'm crazy. But that cool playing—that's what I want. And uh, yeah, so that's kind of how it's how I turned kind of turned the curve to roots right. music. Yeah. And I met this guy who was a buddy of mine working the door at this club. Club was called Lucille's. It was okay. in an old city, gotcha. and uh, so I was starting to kind of go out, and I was trying to be. I had my, my what was it? Uh, I had one of those, you know, like the beret. Like, see, yeah. I was trying to. Do, I was doing sure, yeah, you're, yeah, yeah, like going to thrift you're stores, doing the teenager thing, and like yeah. trying to figure out what's cool. Yeah, yeah, thrift stores and the collars that were like huge. Out here, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And so my buddy's like, oh man, he wasn't even old enough to be in the bar, and he was running the door. I thought that was funny. <laughs> sure. And so I started going there, and he had like there was blues bands. My teacher would play, mm-hmm. and and one time we went back to his house, and he was like, "Listen to this," and he played this Johnny Burnett and the Rock and Roll Trio record, mm-hmm. and it was like straight up fifties rockabilly, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Holy, this guy, he's like blues." but not blues. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know what this is, but it's also like kind of the bluegrass hillbilly stuff. Mm-hmm. It kind of made sense in a weird way. It was, yeah. like, it was, rock it was kind of the convergence of yeah. that. But right? it's kind of blues too. Yeah. And I was like, what is, and so I started kind of digging in deeper. Mm-hmm. And um, it was on the cusp of like classic country. So I, I heard some of that kind of, you know, the early George Jones mm-hmm. and Hillbilly Bob kind of was part of the Rockabilly 50s. Elvis, of course, Elvis. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I heard Elvis, I was like, oh, what is this, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I started, that was when I turned the curve and really embraced Roots music mm-hmm. and kind of, I don't want to say turned off the radio, but I guess I did. Sure. Yeah. I was like, this is not as good. This is way better. It mm-hmm. sounded sure. better. It was yeah. better players. It wasn't as mm-hmm. processed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It was just like very meat and potatoes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I, that was right when I was coming out of high school. So I started kind of, it's kind of a blues rockabilly band mm-hmm. kind of yeah. coming out of high school. Yeah. Okay. And that would have been like kind of late 80s or mid 80s? Yeah. I graduated in 89. Yeah. Yeah. Late. And okay. then uh, started uh, well, gigging like, you know, mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. that, I, yeah, we, we started kind of playing out that fall. Yeah. Sure. You know? Yeah. And uh, yeah, so I had some buddies from high school. We mm-hmm. went to, we went to this, uh, it was a place called Planet Earth, and they had all kinds of music okay, in Knoxville. Yeah. And it was everything from like 
In, in the 80s, people poo-poo on it, but it had killer music. They mm-hmm. just had amazing music. You had a venue that would have, like, uh, I don't know... Like pays the underground band, then have mm-hmm. like a, like a like a jet, like a fusion band, mm-hmm. and the next would be a bluegrass thing. Yeah. It was it was like all was cool. There was nothing underground. Everything underground was now above ground. Right. Yeah, and the college was huge. So you had like bands like uh, the Judy Bats, B fifty two, all these different ba- bands coming out, kind of like a yeah. kind of like the college scene. Yeah, I didn't. I, they were. I didn't really check them out, but I knew they were there. You know, right. Yeah, I was more roots guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we played on a Tuesday at this jam, and the guy liked us so much. He's like, "Just come back," and we, we okay, just yeah. overtook the joint. <laughs> yeah, like, this is our yeah. joint now. Like this is yeah. our place on yeah, Tuesday. Yeah, you just kind of move in. Yeah, and uh, yeah. actually, the guy that I was playing with actually has been living in Austin. Uh, two friends okay. actually they moved here. Uh, right. One's name is Rice uh, Rice Moorhead, yeah. and he plays. Uh, he's been living here for. 25 years and, mm-hmm. and another great singer great musician uh, Roger Wallace we mm-hmm. grew up together in Knoxville he's a great songwriter he lives okay. here too so they moved yeah. here in the 90s and uh, when I, I just I didn't they did mm-hmm. you know but we were all pals growing up in Knoxville so wow. we have there's a lot of these guys that kind of ended up bouncing down here yeah I mean you know Austin still seems to be one of the biggest kind of music capitals in, in the US at least it's a live music capital yeah. World. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely so uh, we ended up doing that for a while and we were we were we were awful. <laughs> That's so lovely. That's the bass player. No, we were we were great. We were egregiously wonderful. Yeah, you yeah. know uh, the bass player. I'd look at him and he was like, "What are we doing?" I was, I was like, third fret, third fret, just <laughs> him. top string, third yeah. fret." And as long as he knew the fret, right. he had it. Okay, he yeah, he yeah. kind of intuitively kind of had his little things, you know. Sure. And the guy played left-handed slide, and he was just all over the place. Oh, and yeah, I was yeah. the lead player, and we had a piano player guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, we were we were we were awesome, but yeah. awful. <laughs> you know? yeah. your, your passion for music and is just infectious. Like I'm I'm so excited to like pick up my guitar and like start riffing around. Yeah. So I, I think if you had even a fraction of that in your youth, then people would have loved you guys. Yeah, like just that contagious. And I've seen you play live. It's still oh, there. Yeah. But even like as a young man, you say you're awful, but I'm sure everyone came out to see y'all because it was just, you were having fun. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's fun yeah, yeah, to yeah, watch. Yeah. yeah. And oh, it was ridiculous. I remember I had these vintage, uh, they were Nunbush like vintage shoes. Yeah. I had everything had to be old and vintage. Sure. Except I remember playing the gig and all of a sudden the soul just, just, just like, come right off. That you know? happened. And so I was like, what can I do? And, uh, yeah. and, uh, and the drummer had some duct tape, so I just duct taped. Mm-hmm. And, and, and just duct tape and then I left him like that and I had probably had for years <laughs> yeah. like that and I just kept it was you know it was ridiculous yeah. you know I could have just got no no I was like I'm authentic with sure. my crappy duct tape <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I'm curious to know you know at that point you know you start you're getting a gig on a regular basis Ooh. you're playing music yeah. playing good music and since you're in Tennessee and you've grown up in Knoxville in this Tennessee area is the Nashville thing something that's attractive or are you thinking I want to stay, I can't play roots music if I go there. So I want to stay up here and just gig here for the rest of my life. Like, well, I was, I was talking to somebody not, uh, not that long ago about, uh, everybody, uh, you know, everybody's a flower mm-hmm. and depending on what soil they're in, it will, enable them to blossom Mm -hmm. you know think about this if a cactus was in the rainforest it wouldn't it wouldn't survive you know as just well as a water lily was would be in arizona you know Mm -hmm. it's not the right ground for it you know Mm -hmm. 
And uh, looking back on it, I, I was it, that as growing up was great there, and we could do a whole podcast on sure. the crazy stuff that happened in Knoxville. It's insane, <laughs> you know. But I know we want to move on. But uh, uh, hey, man, hey, we're we're here. It's you know, time. Uh, it it never occurred to me to move to Nashville. It just I knew that mm-hmm. wasn't my thing. Plus, I was like I said, I was more leaning toward blues and rockabilly mm-hmm. at that moment because it was exciting, you know. Yeah. And I don't think I had as much the country influence was like my my stepfather was more folk and just sure. finger picking stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I heard bluegrass and whatever country I heard was was kind of more like the the stuff that was on the radio. Yeah. And I was like, that's trash, you know. Mm-hmm. Of course, looking back on it, think about this: Alan Jackson mm-hmm. compared to Floribama Line or whatever the hell their <laughs> name is. <laughs> is that's that's oh, like Bob man. Wills, you yeah, know? Like yeah. you know, compare. We are trying to compare yeah. here, you know. I've got a buddy uh, named Ben Dukes that's gonna love that. Yeah, you know, whatever the heck, you know. So looking <laughs> back on it, like those that was like country, but at yeah. the time, mm-hmm. you know. And and that's a whole thing we could have a dialogue about in country. What is country? You know, there's a lot of dialogues about that. Mm -hmm. And you know, when uh, you know that was coming out, they're like, "That's not country." What's country is George Jones. When George country, George Jones come out, like, "That's not country." That you know, Hank Williams is country. Then when Hank Williams, you get the idea. Yeah. So whatever that country was on the radio didn't appeal because it wasn't roots. Yeah. And I didn't really get find roots country until way later. Yeah. I was like, oh, this is, I've heard that before, but it wasn't on the radio as much. Mm-hmm. You'd hear it like, you know, in the, if you're dialing on the AM dial, you'd hear it every yeah. once in a while. My stepdaughter dad would, you know, pull it up or during the eighties, my mom would, would pull it up, you know, mm-hmm. still those radio stations were playing like some bands like Alabama cause they're super huge yeah. and Oak Ridge boys and, you know, Stout brothers, but that was my modern that you might hear from every 20 songs a classic, mm-hmm. you know, and I remember growing up my, uh, in, uh, it being, uh, we'll, we'll flash back to earlier. My, uh, <laughs> my natural father, uh, he, there's a place called strawberry plain, just kind of like a, just out in the middle of nowhere. And yeah. there's a place called lightning's hamburgers. And I remember going there and I was probably six, five, you know, and my natural father would go there and he'd give me a roll of nickels and be like, you know, play the jukebox. And, and that was, so that would be in like 76. Mm-hmm. So that jukebox probably all only had maybe a few hits, but mostly older stuff. And okay. I remember he, like just, just feeding and just hitting buttons, you know, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> but I remember, I remember this tune coming on. Uh, this is a big tune. Well, I've been walking these streets so long. And that was my favorite, you know. Yeah. 
And I didn't realize it was called Lightning's Hamburgers because Lightning ran moonshine out of his basement. So my dad would go there and just get soused, you know? Yeah, you know? And I was too young to drive back, you know? He was, you know, he'd have one hand over one eye, you know? We're going to get there. Yeah. And he had the C10. It was like a 60 C10 Chevy. And I remember standing up with one hand on the desk, standing up, Mm -hmm. and he'd have my hand... Uh, he put his hand on top of mine when he shifted the gears because sure. it was a floor shifter, you okay. know, yeah. and just standing up like looking at like, yeah, that yeah. looks fine. You know? <laughs> yeah, you know. So anyway, we'll 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 go back to forward, you know, in the, like <laughs> that never never appealed to going to Nashville. Yeah, you know? it just didn't appeal. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had a cousin that lived in Atlanta, mm-hmm. and so I come down to visit there, and it was mostly blues, and there was rockabilly, and yeah. I was like, yes. And so that kind of. Uh, Jump started it for okay, me. Yeah, I ended okay. up moving to Atlanta. Okay. And, uh, you know, I flipped a coin actually. Okay. I didn't know what to do. I had this VW van, okay. the, uh, the VW, the dubs, <laughs> and uh, man, with all the band gear in it, it would go uphill like at 30 miles an hour. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know? So that was the tour vehicle. There you nice. go. And uh, I'd stolen this uh, horn out of a out of a warehouse. I was working this book, <laughs> book warehouse up, and I, I like stole it on you know lunch break, yeah. and I mounted it in the back of the van. So it was just like this, <laughs> like you know, total <laughs> ungrist. So I just yeah. crank up, you know, whatever. Oh it was. my god! <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I flipped a coin. It was uh, it was Austin, Texas, or Atlanta. Okay, okay. so I, Austin was on your radar. Austin was already yeah. on your radar. Yeah, already. Already. Okay. yeah, it was early nineties. Gotcha. And uh, I mean, I, I uh, yeah, I, I stuck around there a few more years in Knoxville, and. Mm-hmm. It was it was unfertile for me there. Yeah, I was like, I gotta go. Sure. And uh, I I just I flipped a coin. It landed on Austin, Texas, and I, and I went. I don't know how to get there. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, how do you get there? You know, I was like, well, I know how to get to Atlanta. I can just hit yeah. this highway and go south. <laughs> you know, it's easier, you know. Guys, for I those should... of you listening back home, this is before Google Maps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess I could have got a Rand McNally, oh, you know. Yeah, yeah maybe. <laughs> you know, Still, looked in the discount bin. At, people have been know, asking how to get to Austin for a, for, for a very long time. And so... Yeah. That's ridiculous. I mean, that was, yeah. that was, I mean, I'm a, I don't know anything. I'm a kid, you know? Yeah. But that's, and, I mean, that's as good of a way to make a decision. Right? <laughs> like, like, honestly. Yeah. Oh, you're, you're, don't laugh at me. Uh, I still carry. You carry the coin? Listen to this. Oh, yeah. Is yeah. that the coin? I, I've got a, uh, uh, no, no, this is not the coin, but I still do carry a coin. It's so, a, it's a, it's an Eisenhower dollar. Nice. So if I can't make a decision, just flip I flip the coin. Is that know? how you decided to come yeah. on the podcast? No, no, no. Uh, you know, I lost a bet. That's there how you go. I got gotcha. you. Well, that's how we get most of our guests. Just uh, so we don't feel too I, bad. You know, looking back on it, I should have listened to the coin. I would have been, I okay. should. That's a judgment call. <laughs> If I could go back in time, I would tell that young guy sure. to come to Austin. Gotcha. Uh, because Austin had all these things. Mm-hmm. I just didn't know. Yeah. yeah. It was a long ways from home. I didn't know anybody. In Atlanta, I had my cousin. Mm-hmm. And I and I went to visit, and yeah. I met these guys, and they're like, move here. Yeah. And it, like I said, Knoxville at that point was unfertile. And all of a sudden, it was like, wow, fertile ground. And I had a place to, well, I thought I had a place to stay. I had a buddy, you can stay here. Mm-hmm. And then you front this band because they need a front guy singer. Yeah. And uh, and so it was just kind of like, wow, you know. Mm-hmm. And in one week I moved. Yeah. Wow. And then when I get there, three days later, the job I thought I had, didn't they fired the guy, the other bandmate, they fired him when we walked in. Nice. So he's like, and you, you too, you're out of here. <laughs> I'm like, I. And so, and then the other guy I was supposed to stay with, his yeah. roommate, bummed, he was like, hey man, who are you? And I'm like, well, I'm staying here. He's like, 
No, you're not. <laughs> I'm like, bro, you can't. And he yeah. was not. He was like, look, you got you got two more days, but you got to find another place. Yeah. So I didn't have. Within one week's time, I didn't have a job. I yeah. didn't have a place to live. Yeah. And then the band broke up. So all the things he <laughs> right. moved so there for yeah. fall through. So at this Glass. point, everything's going great. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. The plan is working. Yeah, right. you're becoming you know? more and more of a blues musician as time passes. <laughs> yeah, I lived in my band. Yeah. You, know? you have yeah, a lot yeah. of songs being written right. as all this is happening. I would wake up, and, and there's a little place called Little Five Points. I'd wake up to if somebody had like opened my van door, and I used to sleep with my guitar. Like I'd hold on to it with my arm oh. around it, and they were pulling my guitar. Oh away my from my oh arms, my yeah. and so I would just start kicking, yeah. And I would, and I, that happened more than once. Just, wow! Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh! Yeah. Who? What? <laughs> Dude. So you're living in the van yeah. in Atlanta. I was almost living in a van down by the, by the river. river. You know, I swear, you know. <laughs> and playing. Did, so I'm guessing eventually you got involved in the music scene there, correct? Yeah, 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 okay. and uh, yeah. So it was, it was, it was great during the '90s. It was great, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, really honed in a lot. There was a lot of great blues, a lot of great rockabilly, and I had kind of joined this rockabilly band. And mm-hmm. I say rockabilly, but they also did kind of country stuff too. Okay, sure. And so that then, then that's when I started kind of dealing more into country stuff because of the stories. Yeah, yeah. you know. And uh, I still was more of a rockabilly blues guy playing a country song. Yeah, sure. you know. And uh, and so that was great during the late '90s and 2000s. Of course, 2001 hit, mm-hmm. and we all got day jobs. Yeah, you know, yeah. it just that's what happened. Yeah, and uh, yeah, so 2000, you know, those that happened, and and then uh, it kind of picked up again for a little bit there in the mid 2000s. Okay, I ended up having a, I, I did a country band and this rockabilly band I had and. And I, I, I was kind of doing a blues jam at the mm-hmm. time, which is kind of weird because mm-hmm, sure. I wasn't a blues guy at that yeah. point. But uh, it was a really cool club. I mean, basically, if you've been to the Skylark here in Austin, Texas, okay. mm-hmm. it's like that club, but in, in Atlanta, Georgia. Okay, I, swear, yeah. I, I walked into the Skylark. I was like, oh, my God, the there's another club. one of these? There's another one? <laughs> <laughs> what? You know? And uh, so, yeah. So I did. That was kind of a good home yeah. base. Fun. Okay. Gotcha. Well, so what was it like being a musician in that place in that time? Uh, at one point, there was a lot of gigs to be had. I think mm-hmm. during the mid '90s, I think is when it dried up. You know, just mm-hmm. and then and I probably stayed there about ten years too long. Okay, okay. You know, but there was other reasons, um, and uh, so it, it just became not as good. And I have this theory. I'm going to tell you my theory. Maybe you can tell me what you think. Sure. <laughs> When towns get so, they start getting to where you have a town that becomes a city, mm-hmm. and all the city, some the city becomes a metropolitan city, sure. bigger. Uh, it seems like all of a sudden the interior of the city turns into a black hole. Yep. Like it just disappears, yeah. and everything gets pushed out like a donut gets pushed mm-hmm. out to the periphery. Yeah, and then it loses all sense of its own culture. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I used to play in Chattanooga a lot. I love Chattanooga. It was fun. Mm-hmm. And it was, it's very similar, I think in terms yeah. of, to Austin, probably Austin, like 20 years ago. That's every, right now, everyone is saying Chattanooga and Asheville, North Carolina That's, are like what um, Austin was well, 10 to 15, Asheville. 20 years ago. Maybe, you know, but definitely Chattanooga. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it was, uh, what you had was, is you had like, you know, shite kickers and then uh, <laughs> like pop collar, like yeah. lacrosse bros. Sure. And then you have like these, you know, office types mm-hmm. and, uh, and you had all kinds of people intermingling at a place and there was a band playing mm-hmm. and everybody was having a good time. They yeah. got along. Yeah. It wasn't as fractured. 
yeah. or, or uh, sectionalized. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you, like I said, you'd have people that have all different types, you know, ethnic groups, uh, yeah, socioeconomic groups. And you know, like I said, you'd have this like you know dude who just come off a farm, right? And he's chatting with some dude at the bar who just got done litigating yeah. some auto yeah. accident, and mm-hmm. you you get the idea. And uh, so that was, I think that's what Atlanta lost. Sure, yeah. it became so big. Everybody moved to Atlanta during the the mm-hmm. late '90s, early 2000s, and then it just lost it. And mm-hmm. it, did it become just very siloed? Like everybody sticking to their own groups. Yes, yeah. that's everyone moved to the it. suburbs. Yeah, that push yeah. out. I think you're right. Like yeah, cities right. grow, and then becomes down, a metropolitan yeah, city. Yeah, and all of the watering holes basically right. they dry stop. up. They dry up because yeah. I usually speak in single entendre. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I said that to this girl I'm trying to date. Yeah. Just went right. Just went right. Oh man, don't worry. She won't listen to this podcast. <laughs> don't she's, say that. Her reach is growing. You know, highfalutin gal. We're gonna start advertising soon. You don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So, she should listen to this podcast. Yeah. Yes. that's what I'm saying. There, there we go. We're gonna yes. turn onto it. Yes, we're gonna and, delete that scene though. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I'm leaving it in. <laughs> and so you know. That starts to happen, and you moved to Austin somewhere along the way. Yeah, I've been thinking about it, and uh, I, I was married there for a while, sure. and uh, for a long, for a good while. Okay. And we come down to visit, and uh, when we got back, she just literally put her arm, got a box, and put her arm on the shelves, and started like just dropping stuff in a box. We're like we're moving. I was like, whoa, wait, you know, <laughs> wait, we Look, are. Looking back on it, I it I it would it would have been all right. I you know at least. I don't think what the impetus for me getting here, I think that would have still happened if we were here. Mm-hmm. But looking back on it, I if I would have moved here then, it would have been nice. Sure. Yeah. You know, I can't change that. Nobody no. can these fairy tales you see, you know, all these going back in time yeah. and you know, all of a sudden like you're, you you know, can go back in high school yeah, and be like yeah. this cool guy. I'm gonna lobby for people, don't look at any of that stuff. Don't watch it because all it makes a person, it makes me, I'm going to stop saying other people, me, <laughs> whenever I see that, it makes me feel like my life is inadequate. Yeah. And so I have done my best to stay away from that stuff. Yeah. So I'm lobbying for the audience, turn off the TV. If somebody go back in time and they're going to change history, yeah. just turn that movie off because it's going to play into the inadequacies of your life and it's going to make it feel, you, you could feel very easily yeah. that what you're doing now isn't as good. Mm-hmm. I completely relate. I, totally so just, I'm going to say that to the audience. Don't don't buy into that. I was engaged in LA and uh, after after you know a bad breakup ended up back here and it's one of those things. I'm right there with you. Can't yeah. relive those you can't relive those mistakes. It doesn't help anybody. No. Uh, we, we are where we are now yeah. and we have to do our best to move forward in right. the best way that we can. Yeah. So looking back, uh, you know, if, it, if we could have moved here, I don't think that would change the outcome of that relationship. Sure. I think that was, I think that was a demon seed that was sown into the garden of mm-hmm. our, our love, mm-hmm. you know, but, uh, I think I, it would have been. I, I think I would have been a better player. Sure. Being around all these amazing musicians here, yeah. and all the people that are influencing me now, and uh, I would have loved to have been here then, just so I could have sure. been better. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. And so it took a minute, and uh, 
I just didn't think it was right, you know. And I had a, I had multiple reasons. I had like five or six bands I was playing. Five or six bands was a crazy. <laughs> that goes to show right. there was no gigs. Yeah, right. I had to have five or six bands just to play right. gigs every yeah. weekend. I mean, that's literally a band a day, yeah. basically. Oh, right? I, I had this band, and they were great guys. Uh, they were like pub rock from the '70s, sure. and I was playing because it was kind of blues based. <laughs> and then I had my own act, and we were called Dry Gulch. Nice. He dry gulch me, Paul. <laughs> and we're playing like, you know, like this is what I'm doing now. But, yeah. you know, the guys there, like classic country. And then I had my the Rockabilly band. I produced m- lots of records for, I, for the Rockabilly band. I produced kind of blasters in sure. the Rockabilly band. Yeah. And, and I had this uh, soul, this guy, George Hewley is his name. And um, he was recording in 59. And his backup singers were the wow. Pips. Whoa! Oh before they gosh. joined Gladys Knight. What the heck? And so I wrote him songs, and we, we did a 45 together, and we're playing like, it was soul music. Yeah. And then I had this other band called Grinder Nova, and we were like James Bond meets uh, Herb Albert and the Tijuana Brass. <laughs> you know, like imagine that combination. Yeah, that's fun. And uh, every song was about dancing, because I think mm-hmm. dancing's pretty special. Yeah. And, uh, and I don't just do it with everybody, so I've had to adjust mm-hmm. here in Austin. in Because everyone dances. <laughs> everyone dances. Yeah, yeah, so I've had to really adjust. So if yeah. I dance with a girl, you know, I'm just letting girl know. Ladies. Uh, it's kind of more special. But okay, yeah. that's because I'm, I'm the same way. I'm, I yeah. do not... I not only dance my wife, but like before I met her, I wouldn't dance with you unless I thought yeah there was there was something something to this. And then as soon as I met my now wife, I knew like I'm never gonna dance with anybody ever again. Like just yeah, I got that same wiring. So yeah, good, good you, for but. you. Uh, if a girl asks me to dance, I'll dance with her absolutely. And and you guys do the same. Mm-hmm. We can't be rude, of course, because yeah. I don't tolerate rudeness. But me to ask a girl to dance is gonna be a lot more that special. Means oh yeah. yeah, you know. So anyway, I had all these bands and I had, you know, albums I was creating and uh, I had this one, it was, I mean, and they're all good musicians. It was just Mm -hmm. good music and it was a way for me to play music. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I love the rockabilly and country thing I was doing, but if I wanted to play gigs, I had to open, I had to open my spectrum. Yeah. Right. You know, Mm -hmm. here, I mean, I've narrowed my focus, Mm -hmm. but there I had to really broaden the focus. Whatever. Just to to keep my chops up and playing and, and they're all great musicians, good Mm -hmm. people. They're just Mm -hmm. into different things and that's fine. And, uh, yeah. So I thought those things were important (laughs) (laughs) until I moved and I realized they really weren't. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Well, that, that brings me, it's a great segue, you know, other than you just being an incredibly kind and awesome person oh, when well. I talk to you. Yeah, I just want to be the best argument. There, well, you're 16. You're doing a great job, man. There was an Instagram post you made where you made that, you made sort of a joke of like, I'm the only person to ever move to Austin to quit music. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yet, we can't help but And notice. yet, you are here with a guitar literally on your lap. So, yeah. what, those first few months in Austin, what actually drove you here finally, but also what drove you away from music for a little bit? Yeah. Um, I, uh... You know, when uh, when two people get together, you know, we we a buddy of mine said this, Johnny, you jumped in with both feet. Mm-hmm. You know, and and we hope, I hope, let me forget the we. I was in the hope that there, I was with somebody that when we jumped in the water together, it was both feet, and we were moving toward a dream. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, perhaps I fell in love with the dream. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, that dream did not come true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, it was just a 
and and it's the age old story, you know, the the breakup story, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the unforgivable sin, sure, you know, and uh, just totally having the guts just cut out of you and thrown on the floor mm-hmm. and stomped with the heel of her boot, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, and the, and the heart just rip right out of your chest, mm-hmm. you know. And, uh, yeah, so I had a really bad breakup. <laughs> yeah, Br- brutal, it <laughs> sounds like. Brutal, you know. <laughs> and I had a dream, and I thought, and this is, you know, I can't believe I was, you know, I don't want to say believe it, but um, I never wanted kids, and I acquiesced mm-hmm. to that. I never wanted to get married again. I acquiesced to that. I even thought, you know, she had family that lived in Iowa, and I was like, well, why not? Let's move there. You know, mm-hmm. I was, I mean, my heart, soul, mind, body, everything was like one, Can, yeah. everything, you know. And I just didn't see music panning out. I was in uh, it, the the ground had dried up there. Mm-hmm. It became infertile for years. I was just I was just doing my best, and I was mm-hmm. she had this job, and I was doing my best to help just make things happen. And I guess at that point, I just I said this just is not for me here. And I thought I could just stay, but I every every corner had a ghost of a love that went wrong. Mm-hmm. You know. And then I was, uh, I just, I was just quagmired in misery, just mm-hmm. horrible. And, uh, I, I just couldn't play. I couldn't play music anymore. And, mm-hmm. uh, I just couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Yeah. And, uh, I would try to, I, I still had some gigs on the books. And so I believe, I believe in honor and integrity. Mm-hmm. My, my mom instill that in me. Mm-hmm. So I said, well, I've got to honor these gigs. It was awful. It was awful. <laughs> Just tears yeah. streaming down yeah. your face oh, as you were <laughs> um, I had a band called High Test and we were, we were like high energy. Think, think like Brian Setzer meets morphine. If you know, you know, <laughs> wow. you know the band yeah, morphine. Yeah. Think yeah. about that. I, it was like high energy rockabilly and we did country stuff and I had yeah. a baritone bass a sax player. It was killer. And we hadn't played in a long time. We put out an album and we hadn't played in a while and the bass player goes, hey, uh, my wife, we need, I need to help with some bills. Could we do a benefit show for her? And so we planned it like, you know, mm-hmm. six months in advance and we were going to have a bunch of people show up and I had this breakup. I crap you negative, man. It was not even three weeks later. And I, I was, I cannot cancel the show. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I can't do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's for his wife that was in a wheelchair that needed medical bills. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I cannot cancel this. Yeah. We get to practice, and I am I am a wreck, brother. Apart. Oh, it's awful. And then we go to play the show, and I just remember turning to the sax player. I was like, Michael, you got to help me get through this. Like, I don't know how. I'm going to look at all my friends. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it was it was pretty okay attendance. It was pretty good attendance, mm-hmm. and we had a, we had a bunch of good fans. And I was like, I don't know how I'm going to look at them, because they don't know. Mm-hmm. They don't know what's going on, and they're going to ask about my ex-wife. They're yeah. going to ask, and I can't even deliver an answer. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, yeah. So it was awful. It was awful, and uh, mm, awful. And uh, so after uh, three months of that, I was like, I can't be here. Mm-hmm. I just I played the gigs out, and I'd get home and just put the guitar. Away, I was like, right. I can't even touch this thing until I had to make a, I made a commitment to, and mm-hmm. I had pals that were counting on me to be there, mm-hmm. and I was just like, I can't. And I finally, I was like, I can't do this. And there was there was this impetus that said, that's it. And I won't go into that detail, but I just said, I can't be here anymore. Mm-hmm. Like there is nothing 
I, I don't want to play music anymore. I don't want to play in these venues anymore. I don't want to see my friend. I can't be here. And I had, I had, I knew three people. <laughs> yeah. My friend I grew up with, Roger Wallace, mm-hmm. uh, another friend that lives in Travis Heights, and a drummer that's like a, a iconic drummer, Bobby Trimble. And uh, oh wow, <laughs> yeah. And so Bobby's a bro, and I, and I knew him through different people, but not a close friend, but a, a pal. Yeah. And my buddy that lived in Travis Heights, he said, "I heard what happened. Mm-hmm. How you doing?" And I was like, Horrible. terrible. <laughs> yeah. I lost like 25 pounds. I mean, I looked in the mirror at myself, like a mirror like you have mm-hmm. here in, in this room. And I was cognizant of this. I was like, Johnny, you're not doing good, man. Like, you're not doing good here. And uh, yeah, it was, uh, you know, I read articles about breakups. Mm-hmm. And this one guy said, breakups, if you're, you know, if like a heartache can be the same kind of pain as you could feel as like if you have a broken arm or mm-hmm. some type of physical, mm-hmm. you know, if you've hurt yourself in a physical way, yeah. your mind constitutes the pain the same as a, as a heartbreak, yeah. you know? And, uh, and so all these country songs, oh, they're horrible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh man. Yeah, yeah. I know, you know, and so my buddy who lived in Travis Heights, he was like, I'm going to send you some money. Mm-hmm. I know you're not doing good. And I was like, no, because man, when you when you break up and you, you now I'm now I'm now I'm on the sofa circuit. Yeah, because I was like, I cannot be here one more second, you mm-hmm. know. And it was two days before Christmas. Ha <sighs> <sighs> ha! And yeah. uh, so I'm on the sofa circuit. I feel my, that. Yeah. And so luckily, I had some bros that were just like godsends. Yeah. And uh, they're like, you're coming here. Don't worry about it. I had, I had three very close friends that mm-hmm. got me through it. And, uh, yeah, so, uh, sofa circuit and money just flying out of your pocket. You can't help it mm-hmm. when you're just floating, man. It's just, you know, um, I, I heard it. I saw a Jim Carrey video and where he was talking about this and he said, man, being in love, he said, it's like you're floating mm-hmm. and it's amazing. He goes, and then something happens and then you've got to come back down to earth. Mm-hmm. And he said, yeah, coming back through the atmosphere, it can be a little rocky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, wow. You know, very insightful, very cool video. So, um, yeah. So my buddy and Travis Hyde said, come here. I got you. Mm-hmm. And I had this thing happen and I said, that's it. I text my pals and I'm like, meet me this Saturday and uh, I'm having this thing. And they showed up and I just said, I'm out. And then they're all like, yep. yep. We, yep. we knew you were moving to Austin, <laughs> yeah. you know? And then I uh, come to Austin, and I still couldn't. I wasn't playing music. I couldn't do it. I just sure. had to get out. Yeah. And my friend lived, and I had my three pals here, mm-hmm. and I, I connected with them, and uh, I I was not playing, but I still had songs, and yeah. I, I saw people that I really liked, and I was like, hey, I've got these songs, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, you should come play a gig. And I was like, no nope, way. Nope, not ready. <laughs> Hard line. Yeah. No way, yeah. you know? And I met this guy, Bob Apple, mm-hmm. and... Uh, I saw him play, and I was like, man, that guy, that's a handsome man. <laughs> I was like, check this guy out. Yeah. And he sang great. And I was like, wow. And there was the universe just put me in front of him. And I saw him uh, at this thing at the Continental Club, and mm-hmm. I chatted with him. And I was like, hey, here's my card. Yeah. I have some songs I would love to present to you. Mm-hmm. And so he came over. He took time out of his life. I can't believe it. And I played him some songs, and he was like, those are amazing. But I only do my original songs. And I was like, okay. Play me one. And he was like, 
well, I don't have one yet. <laughs> I was like, well, I got a video. Yeah. So we ended up being pals, and he said, you got to come play a show with me. Yeah. And I was like, man, no. And it was a little duo thing. Mm. He was like, please. And so he got me. And ah, thank God for Bob Apple. Yeah. Uh, there's a girl here who's fantastic, Sophia Johnson. Mm-hmm. Great singer, great guitar player. And I talked to her about it, and she said, yes, Johnny, I am part of the Bob Apple Appreciation Society. Oh. And I'm like... I'm, I'm the next name behind yours, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. And so he got me to play the show, and I was a wreck, brother. Oh, <laughs> man. These country songs, oh, my God, they'll they rip your heart they, out, yeah, yeah. you know? Because they they're all you. about sad things. Oh, man, yeah. I'm going to love you forever. And I'm oh, like, yeah, yeah. oh, my oh, God, I will love you forever. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. horrible. Like the, the horse is dead. The <laughs> right. wife is dead. The kid is oh, dead. Everyone's dead. Oh, my dog shot awful. the cat. <laughs> Awful. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, awful. So that first gig, I was pitiful, you know? And uh, and just every song, you know, uh, you know, Kids and Angel John, we're going to need you to turn around your bummer crowd out. Everyone in the crowd is like, man, he's feeling it. Oh, man, he's digging in deep. This guy plays with emotions. There's only 12 people here. He's going for it. And so the, the place, it was in high Texas, out yeah. in the hill country. Okay. And the owner there, I you know, I think he saw something, uh, Jason Cook. And he went to Bob, and he paid Bob, and he came up and paid me. And he said, I, I just said, I didn't do, I was just going to do this. And he said, this is you. Mm-hmm. And he said, Bob, I want him, every time you play here, I want him here, if you're okay with it. And Bob's like, yeah. And I tell you what, that it was a godsend. Driving out yeah. to the hill country mm-hmm. and seeing those, mm. it's gorgeous. It's gorgeous, huh? It's not quite the Smokies. Yeah, it's a different beauty. It's a different yeah. beauty. And I love the Smokies. Grew up yeah. there, but ah, oh, there's something about Texas that I was like, I fell in love with. Mm-hmm. I was like, and it was, it was a great way to heal. Yeah, so getting out there and getting quiet mm-hmm. and having people around that were nice. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, so toward like Luchenbach, like going yeah, to yeah. So just before Luchenbach, there's nothing there. There's I nothing mean, like there, yeah. across the street was a dance hall that was closed for seventy years. Yeah, and then this was a post office, and he had like ran this shop, and mm-hmm. it was the place is awesome. I mm-hmm. love it. And so we started playing out there twice a month, mm-hmm. and then yeah. he got me to play some shows, little farmers markets, and everybody I met was just so awesome mm-hmm. and uh, encouraging, mm-hmm. and uh, you know. Uh, start joking around, and I mean, I you know, a couple of times I would just like, oh man, just start booing my eyes out. I just, I was back doing what I was. I just needed part of it was like I just needed some dough. I was broke. I was like, sure. well, and I got a little job at uh, at Twin Liquor. I was like, I need some money, you yeah. know, and uh, and then uh, so I started playing some shows, and and I played a first show, my own show at uh, Little Longhorn. Mm-hmm. And Bob yeah. Apple helped me, and I met two people, and these guys, and I tried playing it, and it was awful. I mean, I couldn't make it through a song. I had a lyric book; it fell on the dance floor, and just splattered everywhere. I mean, I was a nightmare wreck. Day, yeah. It was a nightmare. And uh, I guess Terry, the owner, took kind of pity, and she's like, "It's going to be okay," you know. Mm-hmm. And it's like I met the right people. It's like mm-hmm. Austin said, "You need help. We're going to give you Bob Apple." And I met another friend. Uh, we're still great friends, Brandon Rossage. I bumped into him a fluke. He just sat beside me, and we started chatting, and we've mm-hmm. been great friends ever since. Uh, and uh, Bob, Bob Apple introduced me to people. And then mm-hmm. the little Longhorn. It was just like the, it's like Austin just said, uh, you need help. 
I've got you, yeah. you know? And at that point, it was just, it just, it just kind of happened. Yeah. I mean, I met the right people. I started playing some shows. I found my passion again. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, a lot of the songs are heartbreaking. <laughs> yeah. Boy, I'd like to I'd like to write some happy country songs. Yeah. They're yeah. hard now. Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, I yeah. I, I, I just had the songs you were talking about. You say Austin opened his arms up and said it helped you. Yeah. But you've added to this place just as much. Like I love getting to look at you know every week you kind of post where you're going to play shows and you're playing these classic mm-hmm. honky tonk Texas bars and you're bringing a sound that I think people want to hear and like you're. You're upholding the roots with a root sound, and and I think that's something this place needed, and you've brought that. I well, I, that's very thank you. It's hard to take compliments, you know, but thank you. Yeah, I've been very fortunate, and uh, I met Alvin Crow, who's uh, and, and I knew who he was when I met him. I was like, this guy's famous. I mean, I knew who he was. He played with uh, Doug Somm, mm-hmm. and uh, Alvin Alvin Crow took me under his wing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that, you know. Yeah, you know that's. That is a double entendre. Uh, so yeah, I met him and he was great and uh, and all the great players and uh, and I got like started writing songs again mm-hmm. and uh, and I always wanted to be known as a songwriter, not just guitar player guy. Mm-hmm. And, and and interesting enough, in in Knoxville, I was kind of known as guitar player but not singer. I moved mm-hmm. up to Atlanta. I started be- becoming known as like singer. Guitar player guy, like guitar player guy that sang. Yeah. And and some songs, although I did write tons of songs for lots of people, mm-hmm. still wasn't known as a songwriter guy. And here I'm known as a a singer guy that plays guitar and writes songs. So yeah. maybe 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 one day I'll be known as I don't know. You're the triple. I don't know. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. You know. You came in here writing a song, so I yeah. think. I think <laughs> yeah. 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 And uh, also, you speak in song lyrics. I was going to say you, that you are the most beautiful speaker I've ever. <laughs> I failed English every year. Well, you every just single year. used the phrase a quagmire of yeah, misery correctly. a second ago. <laughs> uh, you you have at least the soul of a poet, yeah. if not. Um, yeah, how about I play a song? There you go. Be great. Um, yes. So going out to high, I was thinking about. I was at one point. I was thinking like, uh, you know, things happen. And I thought, you know, uh, maybe I'll be okay, you know? Mm-hmm. Everybody just treat me nice, you know? So uh, so I come up with a tune that I like, and it was about this... I, I was sitting on, just kind of out front at high, and we played, and the place had closed. It was five in the afternoon, mm-hmm. and the sun was up in the sky, and, uh, and just kind of watching the traffic, and just kind of getting quiet, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, as you know, bad breakup... The hardest thing to do is what we're doing now, sitting in a chair and not uncontrollably shaking mm-hmm. because we're out of alignment. Mm-hmm. Our, we're confused. There's a whirlwind in our heart. And just sitting there is a monumental task. Mm-hmm. Just get quiet in our heart and mind and spirit. It's like so hard, you know? <laughs> so I was sitting out front on this bench and I was just like, just kind of sitting there. And I was like, Wow. I'm quiet. It just kind of come to me. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, cars were passing, but then all of a sudden there was kind of no cars. I'm just kind of sitting there looking at that old Texas dance hall across the street. Mm-hmm. I was like, hey, I'm kind of quiet again. You know, just, just kind of quiet. And so I thought about this old guy kind of giving a young person advice on how to get through it. So here it goes at you. Oh, 
We'd sit here alone from a wooden bench of a one-horse Texas town An empty bottle in his hand So I bought us another round He had a leathered face and weathered eyes He was riding on the range So I slid on in beside him And I offered up my name the world go by I see your heart is heavy man I know the reason why son I don't have all the answers so I'll tell you what I know like when it comes to the love of a woman oh, easy come and easy go oh easy come and easy go I just like the finest wines Enjoy the taste of every sip while you got the time. They say a flaming heart is free and wild as the prairie winds blow. And when it comes to the love of a woman, easy come and easy go. You see, I had myself a sweetheart. We were married in 54 She had the bluest eyes Like waves that crash Upon a rocky shore Well one day I got home From the oil rigs Her bag all in a row She took the Pontiac And never looked back Easy come and easy go Well, he drained his glass and lit a smoke and stared off toward the plains. Tilted back his old cowboy hat said, I guess we're done with rain. But don't that sun look mighty lonesome? A wind is sinking low. Well, tomorrow it'll rise again. Easy come and easy go. Yeah, easy come. See a playman heart is free and wild as the weary winds blow. And when it comes to the love of a woman, easy come and easy go. Now when it comes to the love of a woman, easy come and easy go. We keep talking. Okay. Fair enough. We've, this is our TMI. This is our first ever bathroom break mid podcast. <laughs> that's fantastic, man. Yeah, there he goes. So yeah. is that that's the first song you wrote coming out of? Uh, no. 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 That was well the first song. I felt like you know there's gonna be you know it's gonna be okay. Okay. It's gonna be okay. Nice. You know this is turning turning the corner song. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe, you yeah. know, or at least you can see the corner. Yeah, yeah, you know, and and I like the I like uh, I, I like telling a story, you yeah. know, and uh, I like the uh, kind of the the old. And now there was lots of people that helped me through this, not mm-hmm. just one guy, you know. Sure. But uh, I thought about trying to manifest it in this kind of 
kind of guy giving a young guy advice, you know, like, hey, you, you know, you're going to be all right. It's, it's beautiful and it's very effective. You know, um, and uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, so I wrote that. I had a guy yeah. named Bracken Hale mm-hmm. who helped me out with that one, and he uh, plays in the Royalers. And again, I just met him on a fluke, sure. and I said, hey, I kind of have this thing, and I'm trying to finish, and blah, 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 and kind of just sent it to him, and next thing you know, we're writing a song together. He didn't yeah. know me from Adam. <laughs> and so uh, the first one me and him wrote, <laughs> this is more apropos, um, there's, uh, there's a song that's like, pick me up on your way down. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of country songs that, that I love that are great. Mm-hmm. And I play guitar with people, but I'm not going to sing them because that's not what's in my heart. Sure. You know? And this song is called pick me up on your way down. Classic, you know, mm-hmm. Rick Price has done it. Uh, Buck Owens. Uh, but the story is pick me up on the way down when you're blue and all alone. Basically like when, when she goes out and has her fun and mm-hmm. then things go bad and she realizes, oh, I'm lonely. I'm at home with my knees wrapped around a pillow and waking up to a dog licking me in the face. Mm-hmm. Then I'll call you. And my, my, I was like, what? <laughs> Hell no. <laughs> and so I turned the phrase instead of pick me up on your way down. I thought, well, how about this? When he puts you down, ain't going to pick you up. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. so a little bit more a- attitude, you know. Yeah. So that was the first one I sent to Bracken, yeah. and he just kind of recorded a little something in his phone. I was like, "That's great. Try, can you do it more in this way?" And he just did another way, and I was like, "That's freaking rad." So we didn't know that together, and then yeah. I come up with this, and he helped, he helped some lyrics on it, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that guy can write a song, mm-hmm. and he's got this country crooner voice. It's incredible. The guy's yeah. great, and so just having like that kind of talent, mm-hmm. and just. Being open, just yeah. being open, you know, and I know I was, I'm still, which can be really hard. Oh yeah. You know, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, after a bad breakup, it's just like, we just, we clam up, shut down, <laughs> you know? And so being able to open up like that and have people who are open mm-hmm. and helping, you know, yeah. it just kind of helps pry out the shell a little bit, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. So he helped me on that one and I like that one a lot. Yeah. That's such a good song. <laughs> such a good song. Yeah. Hopefully it tells a story. And I, I just wanted to paint that kind of, yeah. you know, hill country kind of vibe about it you know mm-hmm. you, you paint know. with a beautiful paintbrush well we try you know <laughs> but also I just love that context of you had that moment where you mm-hmm. realized I'm still mm-hmm. just everything yeah it's finally and uh, I, I had a lot of help I uh, there's a comp- there's a thing called Sims here mm-hmm. in town it's about mental health and I had somebody that kind of get me by both shoulders and Johnny please call this number mm-hmm. you need you need, you're having trouble, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I called Sims and man, thank God it was the toughest call I ever made. I was like, my hand was over sure, the last like, number sure. and I was like, yeah. I was like one hand was over there. I was like, just push it, trying to push it down. I couldn't do it. I was like, oh. Yeah, yeah. And so I called and I, I'm not afraid to admit this. I, I have a therapist. I still have him. He's mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. And he has helped so much on all the crazy stuff. I didn't realize like how much trauma I've had in my life and all the things that happened. And, and of course mm-hmm. the, the bad breakup, you know, there. Uh, just, oh, it was just such a gut puncher. I just was, I'm, you know, I'll probably be dealing with it for a, for a while. Yeah. yeah. It's okay. It's like, you know, when, when these things happen, they just cloud the sky with black, I mean, just black thunderclouds and there's no cumulonimbus up there. It's just a black thundercloud coming down with like a hurricane on you. Yeah. And over time, dealing with it, the clouds break. And then every once in a while, you'll see another cloud coming across. Mm-hmm. And then you just stare at it. Mm-hmm. And you're like, I know it's going to get me. 
And he's helped me realize that those clouds, I can look at them and just allow them to pass yeah. over. So I'm not looking at the cloud in the sky. I'm looking at the blue in the sky, oh. you know? And uh, so, yeah, it's like really helped, you know? Yeah. And uh, and he's given me song challenges. Oh, nice. Yeah. You know, and I'll run some stuff by yeah, him, you know? Yeah. Yeah, he was trying to get me to change that song. I'm like, uh, no, man, that's... That's Because you mean that song. Yeah, yeah, and and plus, uh, you know, I told him the joke, change a word, get a third. Yeah. (laughs) And I was like, no, man. (laughs) That's not changing. I'm curious to know, you know, as... um, What has it been like coming from the Tennessee and the Atlanta scene to sort of, in a way, like, crash into the classic Texas honky-tonk scene and be someone that's in that circuit and playing all these dance halls, like, um, as a musician, what is this like for you? Uh, I, okay, I'm going to say this. I'm not going to put anybody down by saying this. I've heard, you know, I've heard some people like kind of get on like, Oh, you know, there wasn't that many people there or they're upset that, well, they weren't really paying attention. And I'm thinking, you're freaking crazy. Like <laughs> people are out there dancing, yeah. enjoying it. Oh, I'm yeah. playing a place and I look around, there's no TVs. Mm-hmm. Like this is awesome. Were you crazy? Mm-hmm. And um, so maybe I starting from zero. Sure. And when I say zero, I mean absolute zero. Uh, it for me, I can I can receive the blessings of of the music scene in Austin mm-hmm. a lot easier. Yeah. Uh, so, and when I first came, you know, I was kind of getting these crazy, like playing at a Mueller farmer's market, you yeah. know, and I'm like, this is great. You know, <laughs> of course I just bump into people. Like I was playing uh, with this guy and still do this guy named Hub Johnson. He's playing for Dale Watson right now. Dale Watson is the older statesman of this whole thing we're doing. Yeah. Uh, I ended up bumping to this guy named Jake Irwin. He played for Hot Club of Cowtown. Mm-hmm. Iconic trio, Texas, Western Swing Group. Mm-hmm. And we're doing a crazy farmer's market. Yeah. And I think they were just like, yeah, we'll give this guy a shot. Mm-hmm. And we just had a blast and we we're joking and having a good time. And uh, so meeting those people and then being supportive and starting from zero, just playing and enjoying it, being mm-hmm. in the moment. Yeah. You know? And uh, that's the difficult part, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think a lot of people nowadays, I know me, I have a more difficulty being in the moment if I view social media. Mm-hmm. If I ever want to feel inadequate about my life, all I have to do is turn on Instagram. Yeah. And there's somebody doing something cooler or somewhere f- more famous or some, they're doing some bigger concert or... I turn that stuff off. Mm-hmm. This is I turn it off, and I start just being okay inside my own skin. Yeah. I'm not worried. I have the fear of missing out on something. I'm just being where I'm at. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I didn't have any of that stuff before I moved here. Yeah, yeah. yeah I didn't. I didn't have Instagram. I didn't sure. have Facebook. I was like, I'm not doing that stuff. Yeah. Uh, I had somebody else. Sure, take care doing of it. Right. Stuff. So I was like, Johnny, you got to do it. And even now, I go, okay, it's a tool. People do look at it. It's, yeah. There, there's lots of negative, but there's also positive. Yeah. yeah. You know, hey, there's a band playing. Great. Yeah. You know, hey, everybody, I'm going to be here Friday. Oh, I've got to go to that. Sure. Yeah. Right. Um, but uh, so starting from zero and then playing like the farmers markets and the crazy wineries, like yeah. my buddy Bob Apple, and then my buddy Bob Apple helped me get playing senior places. Sure. And uh, that I just realized the cosmic currency mm-hmm. that has mm-hmm. is just amazing. Yeah, because I played it. At, I mean, long, it's been a while, but I'm I've played in 
Duluth, Minnesota. I was playing with this like, like West, it was a like a jump swing band, like blues okay. jump, like yeah. boogie woogie stuff mm-hmm. in front of like twenty thousand people. Nice, and it was amazing, and so that's great. But I've also played at a senior place mm-hmm. where this. I remember this lady specifically, and this is tough for me to talk about because it's amazing. Lady comes up and she's 93. She's in a wheelchair and her skin is like parchment. Mm -hmm. I mean, just so thin, but she still wears makeup a little Mm -hmm. bit and she dresses nice Mm -hmm. and just very frail. And she saw me and we, I play and I'm looking out at her. We're just playing classic country and singing. And some people are very cogent and some of them aren't as much, but I'll start singing a swing and country music and they'll just start singing along (laughs) and I'll get them clapping. Stars at night is being black, you know, they'll start clapping. I get done. I walk over to her and she said, ah, Johnny. She goes, ah, I just, I was having trouble today. I didn't really know why I was alive, why, why I get up in the morning. I just don't know why I was even here. And then I saw you, and you started playing, and I felt so alive. So, how can you feel bad on a day like that? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's the power of music. Mm. It really is. So these people can play all these big huge shows and try to get their fame and fortune but when you have something like that happen that's real yeah that's not some bogus behind the velvet rope crap mm-hmm. you know putting on some airs it's like playing for somebody that it means something I change i mean she was like i feel so alive mm-hmm. and i miss doing that because there's been a lot of mandates and yeah. you can't go in blah 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 mm-hmm. so i know i'll still do it i don't yeah. care I mean, I'd be lying to you. I'd love to be famous and all, but sure. even if, I would still make a point to do these things mm-hmm. because it's the right thing to do and it brings joy into people's lives. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so I know some people aren't going to make it. I know I'm going to go back to some of these places and they're not going to be there, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah, it's, 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 it's going to happen. Yeah. So I know I'm going to go into these places. She might not have made it. Yeah, yeah she's, she's frail and old, you know? So I started out doing those things, mm-hmm. and it kept my mind correct. It kept mm-hmm. my ego in check. kept my heart right. Right. Yeah. And building on that and then meeting the right people. Like I said, Bob Apple, Alvin Crow, and Weldon Henson. And I know I'm forgetting lots of people. And sure. Roger Wallace and, and all these great musicians around town. And just kind of getting introduced to the right places, mm-hmm. right people. And then... Next thing you know, I'm like, you know, I'm playing uh, the Rock and Spoke with Alvin. Mm-hmm. And now I've got my own night of the first Friday of the month there. Mm-hmm. And that place is iconic. I still mm-hmm. pinch myself. I can't <laughs> believe I'm playing there. I'm standing on the same stage that Bob Will stood on. And Ernest Tubb and Ray Price and Willie Nelson mm-hmm. and Jordan Strait. And the list could keep going. It's insane. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just, I, I don't want to take that for granted. Yeah. And, and, and some people do, sure. and that's fine. I'm just not going to take it for granted, yeah. you know? Um, yeah, and then playing, uh, you know, like say I played Green Hall. And my buddy Bob's like, you play, I haven't played Green Hall. <laughs> and, you know, it was just, it was just a fort, the same person that booked this little winery yeah. books kind of like the free days at Green Hall. So I played at Green Hall, and, and my band was amazing. I had Nathan Fleming, who played with Johnny Bush. Now mm-hmm. he's out with this guy, Charlie Crockett. Mm-hmm. And I had uh, Todd he's Wilmire. With Charlie Crockett? Yeah, yeah. Wow. So I had Nathan Fleming on pedal steel. He played with Johnny Bush. Like, sorry, other guy, but Johnny Bush You're is right. absolute <laughs> legend. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, I had Alvin Crow on fiddle. Mm-hmm. Um, I had uh, Buddy... Uh, Todd Wolfmeyer played with Eight and a Half Souvenirs. Mm-hmm. Marty Brom, I mean, uh, backed up Wanda Jackson, played with uh, the Blonde Bomber. 
uh, oh, I'm blanking out his name here. Um, I mean, uh, uh, great bass. I mean, I'm playing with kids, some of the best in the business, and I'm fronting my own band, playing my original music, as well as other stuff, too, at Green Hall. I mean, I was just like... I, what a blessing. I, this is insane. I mean, I'm like, this is insane. I can't believe it. Mm-hmm. And I get paid some money. Hey, <laughs> great. They're happy I'm here. It's not right. like, hey, we've got band ribs and flies out by the dumpster. Right. I mean, it's like, people, thank you for doing this. Like, yeah. yes, you know. So, yeah. It's That's beautiful. So I'm try, I, I'm doing, I always do my best to stay in that, that place of uh, uh, try to stay humble, try to like... This is what's the word I'm looking for? Just to, gracious, great, yeah, yeah. Just like I can't believe these things are bestowed upon me. I'm just so thankful for it, you know. And uh, keep that ego because hey, boy, I got an ego as big as a house. <laughs> yeah, hey, we we all gotta look out. For <laughs> yeah, we all gotta look out for that. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's why that's why we box. It's it humbles you. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, Johnny, we are so thankful for your time. Yeah. We have time for one more question and possibly one more song. Oh yeah, let's do, we can do one more song. Yeah. Um, so if you want to outro us with the song, but. Uh, last question is the question we ask every single guest, oh. and I'm really excited to hear your answer because you're still relatively new here. Yeah, yeah, I've been here all, not even four years. So with those four years, what does it mean to you to be Texan? Um, okay, I'll answer it the best way I can. When I first got here, I had a girl tell me, uh, yeah, I started, I started just kind of play out and just, you know, somebody had seen me like, get, you got your guitar and amp, go get it, and mm-hmm. just start sitting in, and people mm-hmm. are super awesome. And I remember just going like, I can't believe it. You know, this is great. And she, she goes, Texas loves you. And I was like, oh man. I was like, started boohooing, you know. <laughs> yeah, I can dry cry at a drop of a hat. And um, I call. I remember talking to my mom. She lives in Maynardville, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And uh, she was a truck driver all of her life. And well, she drove a school bus too, a truck driver. And uh, and uh, she lives on the farm still. And uh, she doesn't travel anymore. And I told her she'll she'll never see Texas. That's that bums me out a little bit. She I don't think she'll ever travel here. But I just keep telling her about that Texas sky. I'm like I wake up and go like I can't believe it. Mm-hmm. Like the sun is so big and the and the sky is so big and the moon is so it's just incredible. Every time I wake up, you know. Uh, and your question was, what's it like? What does it mean to you to be to, Texan? to be a Texan? Uh, I'm still accepting. And doing my best to uphold what I believe a Texan should be, mm-hmm. which is have an honor, have an integrity, you know, uh, handling yourself like a gentleman. Mm-hmm. And that's part of uh, where the name comes from for my band, Rugged mm-hmm. Gents. Mm-hmm. You know, it's being gentlemanly conduct. And I very much believe that. And uh, uh, being rugged in the sense that uh, uh, Plowing your own way, you know, furrowing your, your own, you know, way down the, the field. Uh, not tolerating rudeness. I don't like it. You know, I want... Uh, being all the things that I know a Texan should be. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if I could do those things to where if somebody, when they see me, they're like, yep. That's what a Texan... That's what I envision a Texan is. Mm-hmm. You know, he's courteous. He's nice. He's got honor, integrity. You know, um, uh, he... He has the things that embodies the spirit of Texas. Yeah. You know, if I could uphold that for the rest of my life, that'd be great. That's the best answer we've gotten. <laughs> <It's> every <laughs> single time. Answer, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that was 
The yeah. pickup helps too. Uh, the pickup does help. <laughs> <laughs> and as we are native Texans, yeah. I do want to tell you from like bottom of my heart, I yeah. think I speak for you too. You do embody you do. all of those Absolutely. things off mic. Like the interactions we've had, yeah. you have been all of those. All things. of those. Well, things. I just I just want to be the best I can be, and yeah. just be the best guitar player I can be, be the best person I can be, be the best singer, which. You know, it's tough. Uh, you know, I'm, I've got a really, I lost my voice for two years once. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Wow. And, uh, and so it's came back, but it's rough. And, mm-hmm. uh, and just try to be the songwriter I can be and just be the best, maybe try to, I'm going to say, be a good example. That's not what I'm saying, but just be the best I can be. Yeah. 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 Uh, how about we'll, we'll play it out on a song. Yeah. Let's play it out on a song. You know? Um, so here's a song about Texas. This is a good old heartbreaker now. Good old heartbreaker. You know, we got one right now. And so this is called the Hill Country Waltz. The Hill Country, Country Waltz. Johnny McGowan, thank you for your time. We can catch you with the Broken Spoke first Friday yeah. every month. Mm-hmm. Playing Loghorn yeah. Saloon on uh, once once a month on a Sunday. Once a month yeah. on a Sunday. Look at the White Horse. I play there uh, every other Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Uh, you can look at the Green Hall website. I'll be down there. All play right. out in Albert, Texas. Okay. okay. And, uh, and I'll play there as a dance hall there as well. And, all right. And you just Excellent. go to johnnymcgowan.com. I have all my shows there. You can check it out. Reach out and say howdy. You know, <laughs> say, hey, I saw you play. There you know, you if you see me out and about, no matter what I'm doing, stop by and say hello. You know, and, uh, you know, if I'm sitting by, you're sitting by yourself, you're always welcome to come sit at my table. There you go. Love it. Johnny, well, Johnny. McGowan, everybody, play us out. Okay, here you go. Thank here. you, sir. Uh, here we go. Mm-hmm. back in town at the same place we used to be found laughing and dancing with someone new to our favorite song like we used to do and now I'm crying again to the hill country walls sweetheart is gone and everything's lost I'll find a new love But until then The hill country once Has me crying again Where my ears start to burn As I walk through the door A heart starts to pound I look to the dance floor what will I do? I really can't say If you're holding him When the band starts to play Now I'm crying again Through the hill country walls Sweetheart is gone And everything's lost I'll find a new love But until then has me crying again So I raise up my bottle and I toast the good years Swallow the pain and I choke back the tears Your vows were untrue and your promise is false Never get up that hill country wall Now I'm crying again 
to the hill country walls sweetheart is gone and everything's lost I'll find a new love but until then the hill country walls has me crying again Hill country walls has me crying again. Such a good song! <laughs> yes! And we're back! We are back! Johnny, once again, thank you so much. We, we were really lovely. enjoyed getting to talk to A you. A modern day William Shakespeare. I am still thinking of. When he said, I was in a quagmire of misery. Yeah. And when he said her skin was like parchment. Yeah. I, I just don't using, even know. Using quagmire correctly in a sentence is not something many people do. I don't even know um, what quagmire means. A quagmire is a situation in which there is no up or down. It's a quagmire. It's ah. Everything is so messed up and, okay. and undiscernible mm -hmm. as to be a quagmire. God, well, that I guess I I've been in a bit of quag, a quagmire of of Armstrong recently. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, I the other day mm -hmm. was on a run, as I sometimes do. You saw him? Well, I saw him, but in a in a weird in way. In a weird way. I was on a run, as I sometimes do. Mm -hmm. And I've been getting a little nervous. Of course, he's been kind of aggressive toward you. He's aggressive, and then he's not. He's hot, then he's cold. Yes, yeah. and no. And so I'm running, and then I, like, feel this graze on the back of my leg. And I look, and there's these two soccer balls that, like, had rolled over toward me. Mm -hmm. And I look, and I see this lean, muscular man with not a lot of hair on top standing on the soccer field with a yellow soccer jersey on. Mm -hmm. And he just yells, balls help. And I realized, oh, it's it's him. I guess he does this with two balls. So I just, again, was very careful. Don't want to spook him mm -hmm. or make him mad. So I just gently rolled his balls back. And then he just yelled, forever and always. Hey. That Lance. That Lance. He's just being a goober sometimes. He's such a goober. <laughs> you know who else can be a little bit of a goober sometimes? Who? Ted Lasso. True. Who you are for Halloween. I am going to be Ted Lasso for <laughs> Halloween. Don't worry. There's going to be pics. I'm so excited it's for the It's the best pictures. day of my life. Dude, I'm, I'm It's I'm more because other people encouraged it, you know? Sure, yeah. But like, I'll say I think it. it makes sense. I want to be Ted Lasso. I, I want to be like Ted Lasso, right. truly. But people tell me I am like him, and that's really the highest compliment I've ever gotten. Oh, yeah. And people at work were like, you should be Ted Lasso. And I said, say no more. Say no more. Who fam. are you being for Halloween? Um... I don't know, because, okay, we're going to be in New York, and yeah. it's like, I don't want to, like, take a costume along with me. True. So maybe we'll do something there. Oh. Um, Onyx suggested Lumberjack and Tree, although that's uh, seems a little on the nose. That can go so many different directions. so many different directions. Y'all should do that. Please do that. <laughs> Post pictures. We'll see. Uh, the plan is there's a, I think she's got a couple, like, office party type things going okay. on. Okay. Um, so we're going to swing by those or something like that. It, nice. It's just going to be fun. It'll be a That's good time. Awesome. I'm well, excited. I'm going to miss you while you're, you're in you New too, York. Man. 
But don't worry, the podcast will keep on rolling, even though Seth is going on vacation. It's not vacation. I'll, I'll be working. <laughs> He'll be working the whole time, even though <laughs> Seth is going out of town. Uh, and while he's out of town, that doesn't stop you. Doesn't stop you. From sharing. Liking. Downloading. Subscribing. Reviewing. And getting free t-shirts. Free t-shirts. We got four more left. Leave a review, screenshot, tag on Instagram, at textishpod. Mm -hmm. We appreciate y'all so much. We can't wait to keep rolling these episodes out as long as you keep listening. And that's it for today. Bye, Bye, y'all.